0: Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from
1: across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode.
0: Welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage. I'm Greg Gregory, your host for a podcast that focuses in on teamwork, leadership, and culture or what I refer to often as the TLC of business. If you've been listening very long, you know we've had uh, NFL players, NBA players, book authors, musicians, business experts. And this week we're fortunate enough to have with us Pete McGarrahan, who is, we find that in his introduction here, a little bit of a legend within the IT world. And uh, just a little bit about Pete is he's currently the Senior Director of Workplace and Collaboration Services for First American Financial and also an IT service leader and customer advocate. The First American IT Service Desk recently won awards for best use of technology and best service and support organization at HDI Worldwide, and for those not familiar with HDI, they are recognized as the world's leader in help desk services. Pete's an industry expert as well, and a thought leader in global IT service management, strategy, people, processes, along with tools. Support professionals voted McGarrahan the Legend of the Year in 2002, and he won it a second time in 2004 at the Help Desk Professionals Conference for his endless energy mentoring and leadership coaching he didn't start at the top like all of us nobody starts all the way up there unless you get really lucky pete began his i.t career at pepsico where he brought many innovations to the organization's i.t structure he was then transferred over to taco bell where he divided the tenure between i.t as well as business planning so now he's a double threat he was accountable for technology planning and service delivery for all IT services to the brand's 4,500 restaurants, regional offices, and corporate offices. I said he's a double threat. To make him a triple threat, Pizza uh, has a little passion for drums, and he likes to play the drums <laughs> in his personal life. Um, he lives in Yorba Linda, California, and he does love his rock and roll music. And I can attest to that. Pete and I have been to several conferences, and when the music's playing, Pete's there having fun. Pete, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage.
1: Thank you, Greg. Great to be here. Appreciate the invite.
0: Not a problem. We're excited. Uh, We talked uh, several times over the years about things, and you and I have known each other for, I guess, seven or eight years now. And it's been a privilege to get to watch you and learn from you as well. And looking in at leadership, you're obviously there as the Senior Director of Workplace and Collaboration Services. Let's, let's talk just a little bit about all three of these areas today. And I want to start with culture, if we can. Um, what, what do you consider to be the key elements for a company's culture?
1: Well, the first thing that I think is a key element is um, a top-down culture where the senior executives establish a culture that is visible and noticeable to all the company. And at First American, the culture is around people first. And no matter where you are within First American, whether you're at the corporate site or divisional sites, business units, or even in the offices across the country, you get that feeling from people, all the way from the senior top people, all the way to the people that are doing the daily job every day. Um, They know people, or uh, First American really cares about their people. Um, And when you care about people, you take the time to do the right things. And the right things are making sure that the environment is good to work in, um, that the uh, tools are there for them to get their work done, um, that you're taking time to give them training and career development. Um, and then, you know, of course, the uh, teamwork uh, plays a big part in that and how teams get together and establish relationships. Um, and then in the end, it's all about getting the job done. And when you have a good culture, good team, good leaders, you get the job done.
0: And that that's critical. And As times change, you know, things can get, I mean, if the lack of a better word, stagnant with some organizations, what does First American do? What do you do with your team in particular that keeps that culture of people first and teamwork and everything that goes along with it? What do you do to keep that top of mind awareness?
1: that's a great question Um, the first thing we do is our people know that we care Um, we care for them we care for their families um, and we support them in everything that they do Um, the other thing is we shake it up every now and then Uh, one of my um, strategies for my team is to never arrive and never arrive means you never settle you're always looking for areas of opportunity, areas of improvement. Um, you never think that you're, you know, great and that you've finished the end. It's always looking for either getting better at something or expanding your scope of services or providing more value to the business. But you just don't sit there and say, okay, we're good.
0: Well, people who listen to the podcast know my philosophy on things that are good. And, um, I like that, never arrive, because it it ties into you can never be perfect. So there's always room for improvement. So that's a really cool way to look at that, never arrive. Now, let's look at teamwork if we can. Stopping in the thing, let's talk about how we bring teamwork into this. With people across the country, okay, and with people today, so many of us, and I'm not sure what percentage of people within First American are now working from home or remotely. How do we keep the teams engaged? How do we keep them going? And what what's the core essence of teamwork for you?
1: Well, um, it's a, uh, you know, interesting kind of question right now, um, teamwork, uh, back in the day when you actually all worked together or you went into an office and you know you you physically saw somebody and were able to work with them. Now it's basically all virtual. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that one um, you're not going to lose the connection with your team members just because you're working from home or they're working from home. Um, you need to be able to establish the, the video conferencing meetings and seeing people live and looking at their face and getting almost a Similar feeling as if you were in person. Um, and you have to have. Um you have to have fun too so we're we're doing different things with our team virtually we're you know sending them food sending them gifts we're doing kind of fun type of things like happy hours or gaming or virtual hallway or water cooler discussions um you know we, we're trying to once again shake it up knowing the current situation um more importantly though we we just started a Uh, program based on a survey so we did a survey with our team members to find out what their challenges are working from home and as you can imagine uh, if you have a team member who's married whose spouse works whose kids are home doing virtual learning they're you know at an age where they need to 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 be you know supported and guided and assisted um, and our day-to-day operation happens during that same time there's a, a lot of challenges and conflicts that people are feeling. And we're trying to work with them in an advisory council now to try and figure out how we can best support them in some of these challenging, you know, at home situations.
0: That's really key. So let me ask this how f- long ago did you do the survey? And how long did it take to kind of start to implement some of the ideas that you've gotten from that survey?
1: So we did the survey about a month ago. Um, We started the council about three weeks ago, um, and we're starting to implement some of the solutions or opportunities to shake it up in different ways uh, about two weeks ago.
0: Okay. That's really good. One of our earlier podcasts, we interviewed a physical therapist uh, and talked about working from home and the different situations and everything, whether it's at a uh, a real desk that somebody may have Uh, or whether it's the dining room or kitchen table, how to adapt and some things to try and do from that so that you avoid things. So that's that's really, really a hot button right now, and it's absolutely key because not only are kids learning from home, but two parents in many cases are working from home and if you've got multiple kids at different ages. It's, it's, it's absolutely oh, and It depends
1: on your, uh, depends on your living circumstances as well. Uh-huh. I mean, as you know, California is not a cheap place to live. And sometimes people, um, you know, have a one bedroom or a two bedroom and, you know, they're kind of constrained to that, uh, working environment. So there are a number of, I, I would say scenarios that we came up with. And with each, profile let's say or persona we're looking at various opportunities and solutions to offer to our team members to try and you know alleviate some of those tensions and stress moments and all that
0: Mm -hmm. I am curious. You said something a second ago about a virtual water cooler, and I'm really curious how that works.
1: (laughs) So the uh, virtual or or it's a virtual water cooler or the virtual hallway conversation. Uh, Every couple of weeks, we'll schedule a meeting and just invite everybody. And uh, those who come and show up, it's kind of a casual conversation uh, for people that don't know one another. We introduce them. Uh, Some new people get to introduce themselves for quick moment we'll throw a couple of uh you know comments out there or or things that are going on and you know it's just a a very non-structured way for people to get together sometimes if we combine that with a happy hour uh people will bring their favorite cocktail to the uh you know to the (laughs) moment and and uh you know tell us about it so
0: that's 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 really good and the key thing i i am hearing and underlying with you as well as some of our other guests recently is about the people and trying to make sure we're keeping that casual connection. Um, yep. and it's so hard. So, yeah.
1: well, I mean, you go back to the culture of peace and one of the things that, um, I've been with first American now eight years, I've worked with them for 10. The important part, I think that we have, um, that we have done from a culture standpoint in in my team, Workplace and Collaboration Services, is really go after the right people. Um, You could do processes pretty well, you can do tools pretty well, but the people thing is what really makes the difference. You have Mm -hmm. to find the right leaders that have your kind of focus, your values, and have your drive. Um, You have to find the right people to work with them That, you know, want to always do good and want to do better and and care about their job and care about the people. So we've spent a lot of time finding the right people in the organization. And I can tell you that finding the right people makes all the difference in the world. And then once you find them, you want to keep them. And then it's the things you need to do to keep them, right? Great. So it's find the
0: right people. Um, Jim Collins, of course, talked about it in his great book, Good to Great, was get the right people on the bus. That's and they it. get them in the right seats and then of course when we're starting off and trying to build the right culture and team we got to get the wrong people off the bus and that's key as well <laughs> you know sometimes we got to just get people they may be yeah. you know they may be in the wrong seat but they, they may thrive better in a different environment
1: and, no, you're, uh, you're, you're exactly right I mean when I came on board the the Collins book, was pretty influential to me. You know, when I first came on board and spent about six months reviewing people, talking to people, seeing their performance, um, I knew that there was probably 20% of the people that weren't going to make it. And basically the premise was you have to get up every day and want to come to work. If you don't want to come to work and sit in that seat and do the job that we need you to do, then we don't want you on the team.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's not a hard thought. It's just a hard implementation.
1: That it is, that it is. And the other part is the right seat. I mean, we do a good job of giving people development opportunities. So we promote people out of the service desk and we promote them to the desktop team or other teams like mm -hmm. uh, messaging or telephony. Uh, We'll promote them to the process automation team that does our service now instance. So we've had a good track record of uh, bringing good people, um, having them be successful for a couple of years on our team and then giving them opportunity to move on.
0: Okay. And that's key. Sometimes they move on within first American. Sometimes they move on outside of first American. Am I right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The majority have moved on within first American. Okay. Um, And my team members will tell you that once you move somebody from a service desk or desktop team to another team, like a, a more of a technical engineering team, you start to, build the relationships a bit better because the, the team member who was on the Service Desk desktop team knows what it's like and they become more responsive mm-hmm. in working with the Service Desk and desktop team, especially on escalated and assigned issues that need that kind of engineering prowess.
0: Right, and that's, that's key. That's, that's positive turnover, if you will. You know, when we've yeah. got that positive rollover like that, that's a good thing. Uh, you start to build it that way. Uh, You know, McDonald's used to be very, very good at that. And at one point, I read that 12% of the population had its original work training through a McDonald's uh, franchise owner. So that was kind of fascinating.
1: That is funny. Yeah. And then you just got to keep the uh, discipline up for every new hire. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we work with um, uh, HR firms and and recruiting firms. And what our team has done was meet with them to tell them what the profile we were looking for, what what experience we're looking for and and Mm -hmm. the, the type of personality. And just that conversation and, and expectation alone, we've kind of reduced the funnel where we don't get everybody who wants a service desk or desktop job. We get the people that these people know will be successful at First America.
0: Right. And you've got a baseline study going in for, you know, what works for your organization. Exactly. And that, that's, that's absolutely critical. Um, and people are out there, there are profiles, there are assessments that can be done for that at a pre-hiring so yep now with the with the COVID situation um house first american this may be something that may be more for your hr department but how are they doing the onboarding and how are they bringing people up to speed and getting things done because it's got to be very different today
1: oh my goodness it's such a challenge right now um you know summer months Are usually First American's uh, busiest months. Mm -hmm. And with interest rates being the way they are, we've seen record June, July, and August in business volume and business activity. And so the business has been hiring just in the last two months alone, we've hired 500 people at First American in the business units to support the extra volume of business that are going on. Um, we noticed we also had a 30% increase in contact volume, and we noticed that 25% of it was associated with the new hires. And just to your point, you know, before we would send the new set up and configuration and equipment to the office, we'd have somebody there to set it up. Um, there'd be mentors or coaches there to help them in their first couple of weeks with just some of the training piece and how to get used to the new system and apps and all that, um, that's not there anymore. They're mm-hmm. poor, the poor new hires are on their own at home. We're doing our best to, you know, connect with them and get them set up, but they're, they don't have the, hey, can you help me or, hey, I have a problem, and they don't have those office mates there to really help them with some of the, you know, first couple of weeks or couple of months of, um, you know, new mm-hmm. situations where, where they could benefit from that.
0: Right. And now with your team trying to do everything they can, there's an adage that says, I don't know too many people. If somebody asks for help, that somebody won't help them. Okay. I I just, that's, that's there. And many times though, it's the person being allowing themselves to be vulnerable enough to ask for help. And how, how do you get that through there when you're bringing somebody new into your IT? How do you get somebody new on a service desk if they don't know something? How do, we, how do you empower them to feel comfortable enough to ask?
1: So you're asking about uh, service people being hired and not knowing everything and yeah. then having the comfort. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So and you in your direction. Them- how
0: do you do it? Because maybe that yeah. can translate to another manager or leader somewhere else in getting They're- their team.
1: Well, the, the the first part is to make sure that the person comes in with the right um, with the right level of knowledge, right? The the basics of how to do, you mm-hmm. know, service desk, how to do uh, multitasking, how to do conversational, how to work the ticketing system. I mean, you got to get the basics there, and mm-hmm. then it's uh, once right, they come would in. What I refer
0: to often is a common denominator. You got to have that least yeah. lo- least common denominator skill set.
1: Correct. You come in with that. And then the next part is our customized training. And so we've been doing it long enough and and rotating people in and out that we have a pretty good training program and we have trainers Uh, supervisors, team leads, that will walk the new person through it. We have coaches that mentor them. Uh, We do call recordings. Uh, We do surveys that we look at. Um, We can look at the calls, the way they're being entered. So there's kind of a quality review piece in the first couple of months. But the biggest difference, I think – you know, that that has uh, really enabled new people to come on and be successful is the quality of our knowledge base, our knowledge articles. So we take a lot of time or we've taken a lot of time to put the right knowledge articles in there, the right keywords, so that when new people are um, – you know, kind of taking down notes from the customer in terms of what their issues are, or what their symptoms are. Our knowledge article, our knowledge base gives them the opportunity to review the ones that are there and address them in the proper way. So okay. it's not a 100%, but it certainly helps them on the frequent calls, the reoccurring right. calls that mm-hmm. we have been able to document.
0: And that that's key because it's getting people comfortable enough to be able to do that. But let's talk specifically about a new hire within your service desk and they don't know something, they can't find something, Right? how do you let them know it's okay, especially in a remote environment that we're so powered, sure. powered in today, how do you let them know it's okay to come ask for help, it's okay to just email you yeah. as the director, how do, how do you do that?
1: So the team has a open chat, uh, in. so we're on Teams now, Microsoft Teams, okay. and the service desk has a channel for all of the service desk people. And they're all in the channel. And anytime a new person or any person has a question or a challenge, they pop it right into the team's channel and somebody will address it for them in a timely manner.
0: Good. Now that's yep. how they do it. Are they comfortable enough in doing it? That, how do you get them to feel it's okay to do that?
1: So um, it's a good point. So let's just take the person that's in that predicament, right? They have a customer on the call. Uh, The customer is asking them something that they're not really sure of. Mm -hmm. It's the moment of truth. Are you going to ask for help or are you going to be a failure to that customer? And what we do is try and hire the people that say, I want to be successful in that customer interaction. And the only way I can do it is to ask one of my teammates what they think the next step is.
0: Right. And that's so powerful. And that's not just on a help desk. That's anywhere within any team along the way. I mean, a running back in football is not going to be successful unless he says, I need help over here from somebody else to block for me.
1: Well, and to, to, to your point, that's a cultural thing, right? Mm -hmm. You, you, Certainly, you want to be competitive in the culture side because that inspires people to be better, but you don't want to be competitive in an arrogant way where you create an environment where people are fearful that they're going to ask questions because somebody's going to say something of a derogatory thing, right? So it's a balance between being competitive, being really good, but being supportive.
0: Yes, And that's, that's the part of vulnerability that is so critical to the foundation of any great team, you know, when they, when they've got that vulnerability, because then they can have good open dialogue and then you get commitment on projects and starting to work.
1: Yeah. And to me, that that's really about the partnership. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. another important part that we talk about is establishing relationships and partnership, not only within your team, but outside of your team, because, Mm -hmm. It's, it, what we're finding is to be successful, it's not just your team anymore. It's working with security. It's working with HR. It's working with the networking group or the cloud services team. And, you know, you really have to establish a good working relationship with these team members because there's just no way you can get anything done on your own today. It's so complex in it, terms it, of the moving pieces. The
0: yeah, There's the word. <laughs> it's so complex today.
1: There is virtually, especially
0: in your industry, on your side of things, there is no way one person can know everything about it all. And Correct. if you have an automated attendant that tries to treat people through it, that's just not going to work. They have to know when to ask for help and be able to try and pull that
1: all together. Yeah, we have a, a program that we started a couple of years ago called the Silent Sufferers Program. Um, and we find, you know, people out there in the business uh, will have issues that are impacting them, but they won't call the help desk or, or they won't log a ticket or, you know, they won't ask for help. They'll just suffer in silence. And mm-hmm. we have a number of programs that we've aimed at these silent sufferers to try and get them to, uh, you know, somehow report their issue or ask for help or do something.
0: And that's key. So that takes us into the leadership aspect of things. Um you, you know you your career started um with PepsiCo and moving through that direction what did you learn in your early days of being in leadership or even maybe before having your first leadership position what is something you learned early on that has really stuck with you throughout your career
1: Sure um the first well i had some really great mentors and some great leaders that i learned a ton from and um the other one I, I learned is is reading like you do. the The quote came, that came to me was, "Readers are leaders, and leaders are readers," and that really stuck with me. You know, to to be able to be in a position to learn from books and learn from other people, and you know, like I said before, never settle. That was a big part of it. But this one early leadership lesson was to be a visible leader. To um, you know, to, to be there and set the example for your team. And that was an important leadership lesson for me. When I ran the service desk restaurant support team for Taco Bell, we had about fifty people servicing those forty five hundred restaurants. And I remember coming into work and, you know, putting my bag in my office and then coming and walking around, you know, the 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 different desks of everybody and saying good morning. And, you know, it took about minutes to walk around and say good morning, see how everything was going but one time somebody said hey, you know, Pete, it's pretty funny when you walk around, people are looking at you I'm like, no, they're not and so I decided to walk around and then turn around and he was right they're looking at you, right and that's the essence of a of a visible leader, that the team wants to see the leader in action, mm-hmm. wants to learn from it, wants to know that the leader cares, and that they're the most or the, the biggest priority in that leader's life. And that right. makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, that's that's the Ken Blanchard philosophy of management by walking around. And unfortunately, there are some leaders who do that, but they're referred to as management by wandering aimlessly. So there has to be a purpose.
1: (laughs) There has to be a little bit of a purpose in your walk. Agreed. Well, I think the the purpose of the walk, one, is to get connection. Mm -hmm. Um, The second one is to find out what's going on. Uh, The third one is, what can I help you with? And it's amazing what you will learn from listening to people talk on the phone, especially in a service desk area or, or a help desk area. Um, I remember having one of my offices outside my service desk and you know, I would listen to the calls and listen how people would handle them and all that. And you learn a ton from that. I remember one time there was a, a TV guy that said, um, why don't more executives come down to the call center and actually listen to the calls that are coming in from their customers, because you can learn a lot about your business. You can learn a lot about your customers, what you're doing, what you're not doing by just going into the call center and sitting down and grabbing a headset and listening. And he came up with a great term. It was called executives get atmospheric amnesia. The higher they get, the more they forget.
0: Yeah. And that's the, and the really true leaders, the great ones, never forget that. If that's you right. remember Lee Iacocca was absolutely oh, yeah. brilliant. At great doing example. That, yeah. Bringing it back down to the front line. Great being example. able to listen. So let's talk a little bit here. What's changed. Let's let's kind of look at this in a couple of different directions if we can in a leadership capacity for you or what you've seen in leadership, what's changed in the last five years one year and six months because we know it's all changing so what have you noticed
1: Uh, for me in general or just for an industry perspective well
0: you in general and what you're seeing in leadership because while you're working within the it and the support side i'm sure you see other leaders uh and other situations throughout first uh first
1: american as well as in industries and uh outside industries alike so I, I would say in, in the five-year model uh, or time, ra- time range, um, the biggest change I've seen is you have no choice but to partner with the business. Um, you have to be a trusted advisor to the business where they feel comfortable calling you when they need help. Um, you need to be there for them. Your team needs to be there for them. There needs to be a connection a confidence and a trust between it and the business, because without that um, the business is not able to do what they need to do. And we're not able to add the value where we need to do it, to drive the business to another level. And I think establishing that confidence and trust between it and the business is critical today. Uh, Within a year, Um, For me, it's been, you know, going from kind of a a siloed reporting structure um, to expanding uh, all of my team into the workplace and collaboration services. So what is that? Well, we now have responsibility for all end-user technologies. And that team of messaging, telephony, wireless, desktop services, and and service desk, we all need to work together to make sure that that customer experience Experience with all their technologies is a good experience, and they're able to do what they need to do on a daily basis without having to worry about anything not working, and and that's critical right now. And then in the next last you know six months, three months, um, trying to figure all that out and doing the it, original. you know, from a from a work at home scenario. I, I think our luckiest thing we ever went through was in two thousand or last year, um, we had two uh, uh, disaster recovery um, examples or scenarios, uh, exercises, I should say. And those two exercises forced all of us to leave campus and leave our workplaces and work from home. And that showed us the gaps in what we did not have to enable us to work from home, you know, the service desk and the desktop Mm -hmm. team. And so what we learned from in those two exercises and then, you know, resolved or solved or equipped once this pandemic came out and we all had to go home, we were already enabled to work from home. And that made a huge difference.
0: Yeah. You know what that just saying that example just reminds me of as children, we all had fire drills in our schools. Right. Of knowing I what to do, and as of course as a kid, we thought it was kind of stupid. But when you've got a plan, when something happens,
1: it's so much better. Well, you know, it's funny, Greg. We thought it was stupid last year. <laughs> I know, <laughs> just like a kid. You know, it's like, why are we doing this? You're interrupting my work. I gotta, you know, stop. And and now we look back in and say, man, that was a game changer. It was an aha moment, wasn't it? Yes, it was.
0: No doubt. So moving for you, what is it that kind of inspires Pete McGarahan to want to be a better leader?
1: Um, every day I wake up and, and I think about that. Um, I think about the things I'm doing. I think about the things I'm not doing. Um, I really give it some thought every day or every night on what the opportunities are for me to make a difference in my team members' lives or my customers' lives or whatever. It's mm-hmm. you know, kind of who I am. It's what's important to me, and um, I try and live my own philosophy of never arrive.
0: So here's the question. This is an interesting one. I hope I'm sure along the way, there have been hiccups bumps in the road. What's a mistake that's happened through your leadership life that you've learned from and been able to build on from that? Because it's not always a bed of roses. We always have something. There's a mistake, whether it's something we did, or whether it's something that happened to us, what did you do? What was that? What was yours?
1: I made multiple mistakes. <laughs> either, either leaving a job too early and going to the wrong company, or. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, thinking I was uh, uh, ready for something that I really wasn't ready from or, um, you know, a position where I had to travel a lot and leave my family when they were, you know, when the kids were young. And I look back and say, wow, that wasn't really a great idea. So um, I I do have many uh, moments where uh, I feel I made a mistake or or a bad Mm -hmm. judgment call. Uh, What I learned from all of them was that you will learn from all of them whether it's a good move or a bad move. There's always a learning to be out of any of it. And, you know, what what a leader told me was there's always going to be a fork in the road. You might take the left fork or the right fork. One might be the right way or the wrong way. But somewhere down that road, there'll be another fork. And hopefully what you learned along the way, you know, you make the right decision the next time based upon what you learned the prior time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Yogi Berra used to say, when you come to the fork in the road, take it um, <laughs> no, always a good one. That was always, And the thing is, if people don't understand that quote, it basically was because when you're driving to his house, when you came to the fork in the road, you could take either one. It brought you in a loop back to his house anyway. So it didn't really matter, <laughs> but just the way he would say it,
1: you know, yeah, it was great that and many other things.
0: Oh yes. So now let me ask you this. You're looking for new leaders. You're looking to promote somebody. You're looking to put move somebody up to a position. Again, earlier you talked about the least common denominator, have that skill set. What does Pete look for when he's looking to do a promotion either from within or bring in an
1: outside leader? And how do you, how do you make that distinction? So um, th- they have to, uh, for leaders internally. Mm-hmm there's a minimum of two years of experience that they have to show of, you know, what they've done, how they've done it, what their accomplishments are. Um, You know, and I look at it from not just what you do or what you get done, or um, I always look for consistency. uh, I look for trending. um, I look for decision-making and I look for maturity uh, in, in that ad. So um, it's a bunch of things. I mean, Mm -hmm. what you, if you're ready for promotion, you, you, you probably earned it a year ago uh, in my organization.
0: Yeah. And so often, you know, a lot of first level leaders in particular get their first leadership job because they did the job right. And that's not always a sign of a good leader, is it? No, it's not. And that, that was my biggest challenge. Um, I did the job very well, but my first leadership job was an absolute failure. There's no doubt about (laughs) that. I mean, Knowing what I know now, I would have fired me at six months after getting the leadership job. The company didn't even do that. So, you know, I, <laughs> it's, it's just powerful. Um, what motivates you every day? What, what motivates you today to get – What I mean, to the idea of changing and everything like that, you talked about making a difference in your team, but what excites Pete? I mean, I, I know you want to go down and play the drums, but beyond that, what, what motivates you?
1: Um, so I think the, the, the biggest – thing a leader can do is to be a barrier remover. Um, Mm -hmm. And my goal is to continually check in with my team in terms of their progress with operational stuff or project stuff, um, see how they're doing, what they're doing, and if there's any stalling or any barriers that are preventing them from doing what they need to do, um, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to be a problem solver and a barrier remover for my team so they mm-hmm. can continue to make the progress and get the results that they need to do. And that yeah. that's a motivator for me.
0: Good. And that's critical. I'm not sure if you've read the book, Team of Teams by Stanley McChrystal yet. Uh, I don't think I have. Okay. And in there, he talks about those barriers and how things have changed from the time he graduated West Point to the time he took over the command in um, in Iraq. So it's very interesting that you use the terms barrier remover, because all of a sudden there are barriers that are there and they may be there today that weren't there last week and having that exactly. ability to
1: every day, every day is a new day, mm-hmm. um, you know, new challenges, new opportunities. So, you know, coming in, uh, to work every day, um, assessing what's going on. And, you know, I always got a great leadership lesson was you never want to miss the opportunity that's before you. And that, um, if you have an idea or if you have something that you want to do, it may not be the right time. So you always have to kind of be aware of the timing and the circumstances around you for when the right time to implement certain things based upon need or circumstance or situation. Wow, let's repeat that. Need, circumstance, or situation, that's
0: that's key. Uh, yeah. Making sure we're doing the right evaluation and don't miss an opportunity. Don't
1: close the door because of it. Correct. But don't take that opportunity too early either. That's, that's it. There's always a moment in time. I always say, um, if there's a crisis, make sure you utilize it to your advantage. That might be the perfect time to implement mm-hmm. something that, you know, wasn't ready in a prior time. So oh. never let a crisis go to waste.
0: And that's in essence how this uh, teamwork advantage podcast got started. I had talked about it for years and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and I said, well, let's do it. <laughs> there you so go. That's, that's, that's how we've launched it. And we've had great success with it so far. Well, Greg, it's been a pleasure. It's been great to have you on board here. It's great to see your face and not just chat a little bit over a phone or a LinkedIn message. So I appreciate your time. Um, Anytime. The Teamwork Advantage is a podcast. We talk about 30 to 45 minutes once a week on teamwork, leadership, and culture, and all walks of life. If you haven't listened to some of our previous episodes, go back and listen to them. We've got some amazing interviews. Until next time, be sure to make it a great day because as you know, a good day is only being average. Thanks, we'll talk to you again next week, bye-bye.
1: This has been The Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K dot com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on The Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.